Hello and welcome to the Delta Good Review. I'm Bryn. I'm Kyle. And I'm Jason. And in this episode, we will be talking about the songs in Delta's catalogue that don't belong to a studio album, but aren't B-sides either. In many ways, lots of these songs are orphans, much loved by the Delta fan base, but without a home. Some of these songs belong to the time before Delta released her first album, Innocent Eyes, while others were released as recently as last year. So it's an epic episode of the podcast spanning decades and genres, and we hope that you enjoy. This episode will be divided into two parts. This part will discuss the miscellaneous solo songs from Delta's catalogue, and then the second part will focus on her duets, of which there have been many over the years. Let's begin by talking about two songs released prior to Innocent Eyes. Love, which was first released as part of an Australian Music Week compilation in 1999, and Delta's first single and her first attempt at pop stardom, I Don't Care. How aware of these songs were you two when you first started to discover Delta's music? I think the first thing just to realize is, gosh, 1999. I mean, that feels like a lifetime ago. I wasn't aware of these songs at all. I think we've obviously discussed how we came to discover Delta. And for me, I didn't discover these songs till many, many years later. It was actually the visualized tour that I heard this I Don't Care. It kind of fitted around some of the cover songs she was doing on that tour. So I thought it was a cover song. I really didn't know nothing about it. So it was quite many years later. And Love, I think I discovered that sort of around the Delta era was when I first discovered that. Well, for me, with I Don't Care, because that was on the Innocent Eyes DVD, which I remember getting in late 2003. So that was when I first discovered I Don't Care, but I didn't know the story behind it. I thought, oh, this is an interesting video that hasn't been shown on TV before. And Love, again, it was a song, I think, just researching Delta on the internet in the earlier years, I discovered this song, but again, I didn't know anything about it. I think she must have been, what, about 15, maybe 14 when that was on. So I guess for that age group, you know, you have to take it in the merit of the time that she would, an age she was. You know, you can tell when she got to a few years on, the kind of growth as an artist and the quality of the writing and the songs that she was producing. There is a journey that she's gone through. It's a nice ballad, but I don't have any particular strong feelings on it. Yeah, I definitely agree with you there, Kyle, that Love is a really sweet song, isn't it? It definitely sounds like, you know, a song that you would attribute to like a 15-year-old at that stage in her career. But for me, you know, if we imagine that song was maybe only written just a few years before Innocent Eyes, even the growth between that and the Innocent Eyes album is just huge. And it's really sweet, but it just, for me, would never have had a place even on that album. It can't touch any of those songs. So that, for me, is a great kind of, it's almost like a song from the time capsule that gives us a glimpse into what Delta's music might have been like before innocent eyes Now, I Don't Care was released in 2001, of course, and whilst it was produced by Delta's longtime collaborator, Vince, it's actually a hugely different sound to the one that finally launched her to success in 2002. How do you think Delta's career path might have been different if I Don't Care had actually become a hit? Well, that's a very interesting question. And to be honest, it's one I've never really thought about before. I guess, I mean, I'm quoting Delta again in Born to Try with no point in talking what should have been, because what happened did happen. And that's what led to the career that Delta had. But yeah, I mean, as you say, it was a very different path. They were trying to, you know, launch her as this sort of new young teen pop star, like in the vein of Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera. And I mean, it's a really strong pop song, I think. I mean, it was written by the same people who wrote Gene in a Bottle by Christina Aguilera. And I think it's quite similar, actually, structurally, and in the sort of the way the song goes, and how it's produced with the sort of production on the vocals. But yeah, so who knows is my answer to where it could have gone. Can I just say, in some ways, thank God it didn't do so well, because maybe we never would have got Innocent Eyes, you know. So I think Delta said, like, it was definitely not the right song to launch her career because the title, I Don't Care, just went against everything that she personally believes in. Like, she does care. She's always said that she gives everything to what she does. So the title just didn't correspond. Interesting, you mentioned the Christina Aguilera thing. And I can, as soon as you said it was written by the same people, you can, yes, the sort of melody and the, the tune, you can definitely hear it. I think in the video and the look that she had, it kind of reminded me more of like Mandy Moore at that time you know I listen to it back now and think wow that really capsulates again that sort of time capsule of a time around the late 90s early 2000s of that kind of pop at the time and sort of the female artists it very much captured that and I guess you know the Australian market was looking for its own version of that they could then export but I think what they got in the end was far far more superior when Innocent Eyes came out. 
Yeah, I mean, totally. I don't care as much as I love it. You know, it's a great fun song. It doesn't stand apart at that time. You know, it sounds like so many other artists. And actually, when Innocent Eyes comes out, that is a sound that is Deltas and Deltas alone. Like She just nailed that sound and it really kind of captured her artistry. I think one of the things I do love about I Don't Care, though, is that so many artists, they kind of are quite disparaging about their early work. And I love that recently Delta's kind of really shown support for this song and recognises that it still is a part of her journey. And I loved kind of the justice for I Don't Care kind of campaign on Twitter recently when the video was uploaded to Apple and YouTube. And so it's nice for me that Delta still recognises it as an important song, even if we all agree that, you know, it's a good thing that it didn't hit in the way that Innocent Eyes ended up hitting. You're right there, because as she has said before, she always refers to Bond to Try as the debut single. And it's kind of it has been for a long time, like she kind of didn't want to acknowledge that. But I think one of the other things I think that song didn't do justice for was her vocals. Like the song very much stayed at one level in terms of her vocals in that song. And I feel like when Born to Try comes along, the vocals are just incredible. So I feel like they didn't get to really showcase all of the talents in that song for her. I do love the video though. I think the video is great. Yes, and we've spoken, obviously, we had Anthony Rose on the Wings of the Wild podcast, spoken in great detail about that. So, yeah, it is a great video. Did we know that this song is actually a cover of a song originally released by an American artist? Oh, is it? I didn't know that. Tell us more. Who's the artist, Jason? So her name is Angela Villa. So you can look it up on YouTube. So it's slightly different. I mean, it's still, you know, that sort of pop sound. But yeah, I mean, obviously, I prefer Delta's version. But yeah, look it up. Now, there's another song from around this time that the kind of origins of are murky, and that is Four Short Words. Now, Jason, I know we were talking about this just before the podcast started, but so would you define Four Short Words as pre-Innocent Eyes, Jason, or as part of the Innocent Eyes era? Because you mentioned that that comes from a Pepsi kind of promo. Is that right, Jason? Yeah, that's what I believe. So when Delta was doing promo for Pepsi in 2004, I think this song was part of it. So I think in Australia, if you bought Pepsi or something, then you could download this song for short words. But I do think it sounds like it's from the pre-Innocent Eyes era, because it definitely has the same sort of production as the earlier songs like Lost for Words. I agree with you there, though. It definitely the production is of the same of the B-sides from that era. And in her voice as well, it sounds, you know, just a little bit younger. But I think similar to like my feelings for Lost for Words and Love, it's a really nice song. You know, it's pleasant to listen to. It's just nice, light pop music. The one thing I had a question about with this song is the title, Four Short Words, because I was never quite sure what the four short words were. And I wonder why she titled it that as well, because, you know, she mentions it once in the first verse and then that's it. It's a great question and a big Delta mystery because the lyrics don't give it away at all. And yeah, so maybe we'll find that out one day. Perhaps Delta can enlighten us. What were the four short words? Now, the great thing about all of these songs is that they have recently been added to Apple Music, to Spotify and to iTunes, not necessarily added to the right singles. So, for example, four short words can be found as part of the Out of the Blue single EP. However, they are now available for everyone to delve into and to explore if they haven't done already, as I think some of these are lost gems for some fans, potentially. Now, the next few orphan songs we will discuss came after Innocent Eyes and Mistaken Identity. Together We Are One is a pretty special song in Delta's single history. It was her first song written for the Commonwealth Games, released in 2006 and accompanied with that explosive performance that saw it reach number two on the singles chart. It was written and produced with Guy Chambers, whose work we've discussed previously on the Mistaken Identity episode, and Delta has since performed the song at the Believe Again tour in 2009 and more recently as part of the One World Together at Home concert. What are your memories of Together We Are One? And do you feel it is an important song in Delta's catalogue? Absolutely an important song for Delta. I remember watching that Commonwealth Games opening ceremony and you say explosive. She soon said that I had the visuals of all of the fireworks. Were they on like rollerblades or something going around in the video of it? But I thought it was just a great song, a great showcase moment for her on the international stage as well. And I just think those lyrics that we can all get behind and I just love the energy that it builds up throughout. And even now when she performs it, it still feels very relevant and very fresh. It's one of those, again, there's those few songs that we always say can be 
played today and they still feel very modern. And I always feel like Together We Are One is one of those songs that feels very much a modern song and the lyrics are very relevant always. Yeah, I remember exactly that moment of her performing it as well. I think as well, because at the time she had kind of been absent from UK media, at least for a while. So it was really exciting to see her back on TV with that incredible performance. And the song is another really sort of epic one, I'd say even. It has, you know, quite a few key changes. And, you know, in the lyrics as well, she says higher and higher. And that's how the song goes. And it reaches this amazing climax at the end. And we loved it when Bryn had his sort of moment trying to sing as well and i think we've, I still, got the we've still got the video of brain singing this outside gay waiting for delta to come backstage <laughs> it's one of my favorite memories of that week and the moment i started didn't a security guard come out and tell me to be quiet that's another memory. <laughs> yeah. clearly too good for, for the security guard yeah and just lyrically you know it's another really inspirational song which delta obviously has a lot of and yeah it was great to see her perform this song on such global stages back then and last year on the one world together we are at home because the other thing was that this song was used on a couple of american idol shows as well which was great to have i think it's funny that this song seems to be the one that gets the most sort of international exposure which is quite interesting yeah, I was going to say that the song does in many ways remind me of that kind of X Factor idol winners song. It reminds me a little bit of something like a moment like this that I think both Leona Lewis and Kelly Clarkson won their respective series with. But despite it still having that feel, for me, Together at One still feels really earnest and it doesn't have the kind of cringe factor that I have sometimes with those winner singles. It feels really powerful. I love, as we all know, singing along to it. And I'm glad that it gets the global platform that it does because I think it's a cracking song. It's really well written. Yeah, I think it is. It's a great, great song. But I have one thing that I wasn't happy about and the fact that she did perform this on tour, but she mashed it up with one day. What? I actually, I like that mashup. I think it works. But I'm also a bit of a one day apologist. So maybe I'm in the one that's in the wrong. Mm. To be fair, I think it improved one day on the tour. <laughs> Justice for one day. I like one day. Now, the next two songs, Flawed and Never Fades Away, were both released at a similar time and were released as new songs added to the Japanese version of Innocent Eyes, which was released later in 2006. This version of the album brought together Delta's first two albums with these new tracks added on, similar to how when she released the Delta album in America, that was all kind of a mix of previous albums. Now, Flawed was released as a single in Japan and was also featured in a Japanese film about a pianist with a terminal illness. And I personally adore Flawed. And while Never Fades Away is sweet, it definitely isn't good enough, in my opinion, to take the place of some of the tracks that it did on that Japanese version of Innocent Eyes. What are your thoughts on these songs? And do you think that they should have made one of Delta's studio albums for real? Yes, Flawed absolutely is a beautiful song. Lyrically, I just love some of the references in there. And I think it probably would have worked on the Mistaken Identity album. It probably wouldn't have worked maybe on the Delta album. And I don't know, it sounds like it may have been written after the Mistaken Identity album. So it maybe didn't have a home. And that's why it's now in this podcast. But I just love the lyrics of like, I want to be a photograph underexposed. And her vocals and that are just beautiful. And when you compare it to, you know, the likes of Never Fades Away, it's just a completely different level. It's its own game compared to that. But again, I think that because it was a mirage of two different albums into one, maybe it was fine that she could plonk in some of these songs that didn't have a home. And maybe she wanted them to have their moment. I thought the video for The Floor was lovely as well. I really loved that look that she had at that moment with her hair in that video and the dress. Everything about it was just beautiful. A thing that I never quite understood, but maybe I didn't think about it as much, is the rabbit. What's the significance of the rabbit in the video and on the album cover for The Innocent Eyes in Japan? Well, on the cover, I kind of think it just fits with the kind of anime, which is very big at that time and still is. I think it was all linked to that, but I can't think of anything else of why it would be there. Bryn? I always, and whether I'm right or wrong, kind of took it to be an allusion to maybe Alice in Wonderland and that idea of lost innocence. So she is Alice, perhaps having fallen down the, what does Alice fall through? A tree into Wonderland and this idea that she has, you know, perhaps lost her innocence. So I always took it to be just kind of a development of that idea, but maybe I was wrong. I mean, I definitely remember at the time wishing and hoping that Flawed was like the blueprint for the third album, both in terms of the sound, it kind of built on mistaken identity with the kind of orchestral sound, but it also was different 
different. It felt more hopeful and optimistic. And like you, Kyle said, I just really love the look of it, the hair, the whole video just captured it. For me, it felt like a development and a growth of mistaken identity. So when the Delta album came around and everything was so different and so much more pop, I remember I actually struggled with that a little bit because I was hoping for Flawed to be the blueprint. What do you feel? Do you wish there'd been kind of an album that was more flawed at that time or... Yeah, I think, I mean, obviously there was space between Mistaken Identity and Delta to have an album like that. And looking at the writers, I think they were probably songs that were written in the Mistaken Identity era in the first place, though. Can't be sure, but it seems likely. But as you say, you're right, they do have a bit more hope and positivity in them than would have worked in the Mistaken Identity album. So it would have been nice to have that sort of moving past the darkness of Mistaken Identity and continuing on the same sort of piano instruments that she'd been used to before moving on to the sort of very poppy delta i think we've talked about this in the b-side one it was talked about the fact that there is some songs in there which could have gave the delta album more layers and i feel like the delta album was one album which didn't have those layers that we've seen in the other albums so maybe flawed whilst you can see why it didn't fit could it have given that additional layer and a bit more complexity which i think most would want in delta's albums and we didn't get that complexity in that album i know she wanted to be very much a more uplifting one but i feel flawed as you say it's optimistic it's uplifting it does feel that arm reach over from the mistaken identity and it's kind of the transition what also made me realize actually is we talk quite often about the gap between mistaken identity and delta but actually she was doing quite a lot she had the tour she did together we are one she did the japanese release she, she was actually quite active and busy during that time so it feels like for us it was a long time but actually there was a lot going on in that period So let's jump ahead a little in time. In 2013, whilst on the second season of The Voice Australia, Delta released Heart Hypnotic, an up-tempo dance pop track that switches tempo towards the end. It was co-written and produced with Ryan Tedder, who is famous from One Republic, who also worked with Delta on The Voice as a celebrity mentor. The song at the time, I remember being rumoured to be part of a re-release of Child of the Universe, but this never happened for whatever reason. It reached number seven on the charts and has, in my opinion, been somewhat forgotten by Delta in recent years. I want us to start with a conversation about this song's production, because for me, it's quite an odd song in the way that it's been put together. How do you feel about the tempo change at the end of the song, going from upbeat dance pop to something more of a ballad? I'm so glad you mentioned this. I wanted to talk about this because I feel like it cuts and it's so jarring and it always upsets me every time it like, comes to that bit because I feel like it doesn't transition smoothly enough. Yeah, exactly. Like, I love both halves. I like the upbeat bit and I love the bit at the end and I kind of wish that was its own song, but it comes out of nowhere and I just find it so bizarre. Yeah, it's a strange one. It just feels like, yeah, as you said, like a different song. But are you aware about the two versions of this song? Are you referring to the American version that switches back after the tempo shift and goes yeah. back to original? See, that's even weirder in my opinion. But from what I understand is that the longer version, which was the one which was released in America on iTunes, is the sort of album version and the shorter version that we're familiar with is the radio edit. But yeah, I agree that it really doesn't work, the longer American one. But anyway, it's still an amazing song. I love it. And Justice for Heart Hypnotic, definitely, because I mentioned recently that this song is the only single which has no physical release, no music video, no album that it's attributed to, and it hasn't appeared on any tour DVDs. So it just feels like there is no justice for this amazing song. Wow, so Heart Hypnotic is the true orphan. It literally has zero home. I mean, I love it, and I definitely had a lot of fun with it when it first came out. I think over the years, however, I have kind of wished that a collaboration between Delta and Ryan Tedder had given us more. I'd always wanted them to work together. When I think about his work with Leona Lewis, Bleeding Love, his work with some other amazing artists as well, I kind of had this vision in my mind that if he and Delta ever worked together, the song that came out of it would be this brilliant ballad or this brilliant track. And for me, Heart Hypnotic, over the years, hasn't really stood the test of time yeah i agree that it's one of those songs which i don't you know like wings i think if i play wings in 10 years time it'll still have the same energy and vibe that it has now but heart hypnotic has kind of it had a moment in time at that particular time that, that was kind of in and i feel like it's kind of fizzled out well that's why we need more justice for it so it does not fizzle out so delta perform it release it well you've released it but give it more attention please 
Yeah, I mean, it got the performance on the voice was really good. I thought it was a great platform. I do sometimes think, I know, Bryn, you mentioned it being the potential for a re-release of Child of the Universe. I mean, it had the same branding with the signature and things like that. So maybe that's why. But I do sometimes think actually maybe they've realized that that was a style that could then work on maybe was the kind of seed for the Wings of the Wild era. That's what I was thinking more of, given that the direction that that took. So I did wonder if it, maybe that was the seed that led to become Wings of the Wild. That's a really interesting idea because, yeah, you're right. It certainly in sound fits better with the kind of pop of Winds of the Wild than it does with Child of the Universe. And I can remember at the time in an interview, Delta spoke about, you know, wanting with Heart Hypnotic to show a kind of more fun side, a more free side with music. And so, yeah, it makes sense that that would then lead naturally into that idea of being, you know, slightly more wild with her music. I think people were saying it was going to be on a re-release of Child of the Universe just because it wasn't a long time since the Child of the Universe album. And I think we weren't ready to let it go. And she would come out with this new song so soon, which didn't lead to anything else, unfortunately. I guess also with the re-release in the US, it would have also given us an indication maybe they were trying to launch that album there, but that didn't happen either. So It's definitely one that I'd love to know the behind the scenes kind of conversations at that time. But I still think perhaps it builds on our conversation we have with Child of the Universe, where she perhaps is being pulled in so many directions. And it feels that maybe it was the label's, you know, attempt to try and get another hit, perhaps. And maybe number seven just wasn't good enough at the time. I don't know. I do wonder, though, Bryn, thinking, as I'd probably say, the ambassador for Child of the Universe in terms of your love for it. I would imagine you'd feel quite strongly about this song being put on the album, even on a re-release today wouldn't fit with the story would that be the case oh 100 and you know i wanted a re-release for child of the universe because i wanted it to get a second chance in the eyes of fans and also you know the wider public but i do yet i can't see how heart hypnotic fits on that album at all both in terms of sounds and story but i know i love it baby yes i know you got my heart hypnotic you know letting go Now, the following year, Delta went on tour with the incredible Andrea Bocelli. And as part of this tour, Delta released Love Thy Will Be Done, which is one of only a few cover songs that Delta's actually released. Now, the song was originally written by Prince and performed by American singer Martika in 1991, but was obviously recorded and released by Delta in 2014. Now, I'm obsessed with Delta's vocals on this track. I think the song's really warm and the production always makes me feel such joy. How do you feel about Love Thy Will Be Done? And did you mind Delta releasing a cover at this point of her career? I didn't mind her releasing a cover, I think, because it was, again, just a sort of stopgap between eras. So it was nice that we had a single to sort of fill in those gaps. It was a song that I was not aware of. As I mentioned on the B-Side podcast, I hadn't heard of this song and I was more interested in listening to the B-Side, which was Stay. But it is a song that has definitely grown on me and I really love listening to it. Again, it's got a really, as you mentioned, you know, warm feeling. Her vocals are amazing. And I really love the version she did on the Wings of the Wild tour as well, which was just a cappella with all the other members of the band. I thought it sounded amazing in that arrangement as well. Yeah, Love Thy Will Be Done. It's not one I, to be honest, go to very often. And I often quite forget that that song was done. I love the energy and the chorus. I was listening to it today and I thought, wow, like where could this song fit into any of the previous albums? And then I thought, if we were to replace the end of Wings of the Wild, I actually think the tribal kind of sounds, but the kind of more gentler feel it has, I actually thought it could work as an end of that album. And again, it had some of those similar animalistic soundings that kind of we see in the next era. Yeah, lovely song, but it's again, not one I often sort of go to, to be honest. I love the idea of it fitting at the end of Wings of the Wild. I think it would make such a nice kind of close to that album, just because, as you've said, the production, but also the warmth of it. I actually love this song. And I've even said that when I one day get married, which obviously is about 50 million years away, this will be a song that I will probably play at my wedding because it makes me really feel quite a lot of happiness. I love it. Maybe this is a stupid question, but what does it mean, love thy will be done? Bryn, as the English teacher, should definitely answer this question. So I don't know, again, if I'm right, but I've always interpreted the song to be a devotion to love. The idea that, you know, I think there are some religious undertones to the song as well, but I take it to be this commitment to giving love, to doing love, to being love and kind of letting love be your guiding light in life. And that's why it feels such a warm song to me. But I do think there are potentially some religious undertones to the lyrics as well. Is that how you interpreted it, Kyle? 
Yeah, it's just kind of like, I've got everything I need if I have love. Like, I've always taken it as that kind of thing. Love is all you need, I think. Corny, I know. Slip into the Beatles, yeah? Now, the next song for discussion is a really strange one for me, and I'll be really interested to know your views on it. The score, written with John Shanks, was used as the theme song for a Channel 9 footy show in 2017. It was a rockier sound for Delta, but it wasn't actually released for download or streaming at the time, and I kind of thought slash hoped that it had been forgotten about. And then in 2019, it kind of popped up again on streaming when it was used to promote, I think, the Women's World Cup in America, I believe. My research has led me to find out. Now, personally, I'm not a fan of the score, but what do you think about it? And do you think it was a missed opportunity by waiting two years to actually release it? So I think with me, I've always said I'm a fan of Delta's rocky side, but this is definitely not one of the ones that's up there for me. I also feel like it's quite shouty vocally. I guess it works for the purpose that it intended to be, which was an advert for a footy show and the energy and the vibe. It all works for that. But yeah, it's not really something I think of with Delta. Yeah, I agree. So it's not one of my favourites. As you say, you know, it probably was written specifically for the football in mind. And yeah, that's what the message of the song is, just talking about winning the match or whatever. And yeah, the vocals, they're a little bit shouty. And I feel like where it gets very high and her diction isn't the clearest, I can't quite work out what some of the lyrics are as well. I also just think it kind of pales in comparison to the other songs she's done with John Shanks. When you think of, you know, Sitting on Top of the World, for example, and the magic that she's made with him before, the score definitely feels like a letdown. And so I was surprised when it popped up on streaming, if I'm honest. I didn't ever think we'd see it there. Now, in 2018, I don't know if you feel the same, but as a Delta fan, it felt like such a great year. It was a really productive year of music to begin with. The year kicked off brilliantly with Think About You. I love this song. It was a sexy 90s influenced pop track and it was a lot of fun. The song was a new look and sound for Delta and was promoted at the time as being the first track from her next album in the interviews that she did. The song peaked at number 19, but it didn't receive any televised performances, and the music video has seemingly been buried by Delta, despite Jason's personal campaign to get it released. Did you like Think About You as a change in sound for Delta at the time? I feel like it's like a guilty pleasure, this song. Like, as a Delta fan, you're meant to kind of go, this isn't a Delta song, what is this? But honestly, I must listen to it at least once a week, like, even now. It comes on, and I love just having a little boogie to this song. It's really cheeky. It's a different, you know, it also definitely grabbed our attention, you know, talking about you know, naked. There was a girl in, I think, Canada, who did, like, a reaction video, and I just loved the bit where she kind of goes, naked? okay this is different like and I just love the fact that everybody was just so shocked that she was talking about something which we wouldn't talk about and I think in some ways for once she was doing what people said oh you stop trying to pretend to be innocent what she used to get critiqued for being and for once she came up well no I'm not I'm a woman you know this sexual side is part of me so yeah I think it's a great song I wouldn't have wanted a whole album like that and I spoke to Jason beforehand and said like what kind of album would we have had if this was the vibe I think it's a great song I don't know if the style this kind of 90s style it feels dated in a kind of modern way but i don't think it was a style which could have had longevity because i don't think it fits within the music industry generally now i love think about you i mean as you say you know it's completely different direction and i thought it was great that delta was exploring this sort of side and as you say you know it's very sexy her vocals in it as well have that very sort of sexy tone to it and then towards the end actually she does i always felt like she sort of belts that last chorus it kind of reminded me of how like mariah carey does her sort of big high belts at the end as well and i don't feel like it was particularly dated i thought it had really strong production you know because it was written and produced by the people who did Slow Hands for Niall Horan and I thought it definitely had you know potential to be a really big hit and I felt like there was a lot of buzz around the song at the time but then we'll talk about it later the rest of the year there were lots of releases but it was a very confused sort of schedule because there was all sort of separate things not leading to anything in particular so it felt like Think About You didn't have its moment to really go further because once the next thing happened it was forgotten about so that's what frustrates me with the single and again you mentioned it the music video where is it we want to see it jason uh, calm down <laughs> <laughs> 
because we'd seen like she had been learning this dance routine as well she posted on social media and it was great to see because you know she had that moment of most unrhythmic white women in Australia but this was her chance to show that that's not true she actually can do a really good dance routine I trust that if Delta doesn't want that video out there, there's a good reason. I trust her. I think that maybe we're better off not seeing it. I don't know. But I do totally agree with you, Jason. I don't think the song was dated. I actually think it was one of the first times that Delta released a song that was on trend because she takes such a long time to put her albums together because, you know, she's so thoughtful about that. I found that a lot of the time she's released her music, it's always come at maybe at the back end of a sound. So, for example, the Delta album felt like it was at the end of that mid naughty sound, potentially some of it. Whereas Think About You felt like, you know, it was written at that time with that, you know, very current sound. And so it really worked for me. And we know that, yeah, we'll talk about the other releases that year, but we also know that was the year that Delta faced, you know, really significant health challenges. And that obviously played into the album changing direction. But personally, I do hope that maybe in the years to come, she revisits that sound because I think that 90s Mariah pop really worked for me personally. And I still listen to it a lot. And the remixes as well, the John Gibbons remix is a great one when I'm getting ready for a night out. Not that I've been doing that for a while. But Do you think a whole album of that style could have worked? I think it was great as a one-off song. I just don't think a whole album of that style would have worked, personally. I would have, at the time, I was kind of imagining that we'd end up with a very short and sweet album, maybe nine tracks, all very different, maybe with some more kind of Morse Cody sounds as well, and that kind of played with that pop 90s sound a little bit. But yeah, I'd still go for it. I'd buy it tomorrow. Do we want to talk about the very start, where they have that sort of... Reminds me of the start of Solid Gold now. They both have that kind of pre-music studio moment. One thing we haven't spoke about actually was the look. We talked about the music, but actually the look here, absolutely just... There's one thing I will say about this particular moment was beautiful. I actually really like her hair dark and I actually was enjoying that look and I loved the kind of the palette. It was a very kind of neutral palette that she was using. And I liked the fact that she was wearing clothes that were, you know, in the videos and the pictures we've seen, she was wearing kind of, I don't know what it's called. Anyway, she was showing a lot more skin. (laughs) I don't know what to say. But anyway, I really liked the look for that particular era. And obviously it changed given her health and other things that came along. But yeah, it was definitely a look that I really thought worked, particularly for that song as well. Yeah, completely agree. And I think that's another reason why I wanted that album, just so we could capture that moment in time, because it was a striking kind of rebirth in some ways of her image. And it was kind of a new vibe totally. And I was here for Dark Delta. I thought it worked. I'm just gonna say it and I don't know how you take it. I think about you naked when I'm Now, 2018 was also the year that Delta released her second song for the Commonwealth Games and her second performance for the Commonwealth Games with Welcome to Earth. Now, while I believe this song was originally written for the Wings of the Wild album, she rewrote lots of it so that it worked as a celebratory anthem for the Commonwealth Games. How does Welcome to Earth compare to Together We Are One for you? Well, I definitely prefer Together We Are One as a song to Welcome to Earth. I still think Welcome to Earth is really strong and it has a great energy and it works really well as that sort of Commonwealth Games performance. But I prefer the performance of Welcome to Earth to that of Together We Are One because I felt like the one with Together We Are One, you know, it had all those fireworks and pyrotechnics, but I felt that kind of took away from Delta a bit. And a lot of it, you can actually see her and there was a lot of smoke and she was sort of hidden behind all that. But with Welcome to Earth, it was really you know very clear Delta was really commanding everything she was moving around she had this sort of massive army behind her and there's this great moment where it's it's like she's leading this whole army of people behind her which I felt was really powerful so I have different preferences for the two yeah I think I agree with you Jason together we are one I think just lyrically and the kind of epicness and the atmosphere that was created I don't think could be repeated but the performance I think for Welcome to Earth was really strong I loved the blue dress she was wearing and yeah weirdly she was barefoot the whole way through as she was walking around which I thought was really unusual given it was an arena that she walked around barefoot but I thought it was a great song I love some of the lyrics of you know make this moment all you wanted we're here together standing proud I love those kind of lyrics and again the typical Delta lyrics of thinking we just had think about you to come with this for those fans who didn't like think about you i think it was a great track maybe this was the one that they kind of ah, this is why i buy delta's music and stuff but yeah i think it's a great song and definitely can see the wings of the wild elements to it if that song had been on wings of the wild i imagine that would have probably replaced feline because it had that kind of epic atmosphere and kind of introduction so i think it would have replaced that one if it had made the album but yeah it'd be interesting to see what the difference would have been to those two songs 
Yeah, I'm completely aligned with you both that Together We Are One is the better song, in my opinion, but I do love Welcome to Earth. But that performance of Welcome to Earth was great. And I just loved, yeah, that excitement of being a UK fan, being able to turn on my telly and see Delta perform on such an epic stage. That's always amazing. And it was why kind of last summer was so great as well when Delta popped up on UK television lots. And that's such a nice thing when it happens. Just a trivial point. I thought it was interesting that in both Together We Are One and Welcome to Earth, the Commonwealth performances was when she had the dark hair. I don't know whether that was just a coincidence or whether it was something she purposely had in mind. Interesting. I just hope that every time the Commonwealth Games goes to Australia, Delta performs. I hope that's part of like some sort of conditional agreement. And even if it's not, like, can we just stand back and think how incredible it is to be an artist with such longevity in your career that you're asked to do that twice? Like, Mm. and to be at the top of your game, you know, when there are so many years in between, you know, both opportunities. I just think that's an incredible thing that she should be so proud of that she was asked to do that twice. Now, 2018, as you mentioned, Jason, does jump around a little bit because we went from Welcome to Earth to it also being the year that Delta released her soundtrack to accompany her role as Olivia Newton-John in the biographical miniseries. The soundtrack, titled I Honestly Love You, included 13 songs recorded for the miniseries, and it eventually reached number four on the Australian charts, supported by the debut of the miniseries as well. I personally didn't know a huge amount about Olivia Newton-John's life or her music before this. And I knew that she was an you know, incredible mentor to Delta. But in terms of Olivia Newton-John's music, that just wasn't familiar to me. So I enjoyed the soundtrack for that. And in many ways, it felt like a new album at the time. Did you enjoy the soundtrack? And also, did you enjoy the miniseries? Did you get to watch it? Yeah, well, I definitely enjoyed the album. So I was the same. I didn't know that much about Olivia. I only really knew Grease and Physical I was aware of and Xanadu as well. But apart from that, not really. The album, I felt definitely, it's an album of two parts because they put all the sort of big hits at the start. And then in the second half, there were a lot of the, I felt a lot of the 60s songs from Olivia's earlier career that I wasn't aware of. But I still really enjoy, you know, a lot of those songs and she sounds amazing on them. The miniseries, yeah, again, it was great to see Delta, you know, taking this lead role because even in Hating Alison Ashley, she was the title character, but she wasn't the main character. So this was, you know, the most we'd seen her do her acting. And I thought she was really convincing in her performance. And it was great to see her sort of take on those iconic images, particularly of Greece and doing those songs. Yeah, I completely agree. I didn't know a great deal about Olivia Newton-John's career. I didn't realise that the career kind of really started in the UK and all that stuff. I thought it was a really good miniseries. And actually, I feel like it did propel certain other opportunities after that in House Husbands and so forth. So I think it also gave her an opportunity to really showcase her acting skills, which have been a long period since she'd done any acting. In terms of the music, I think for me, there are two standout songs in there. Magic, I think, actually feels like a song which could have been a song on an album, like maybe has a kind of touch feel to it for me. And then the other one, Just because I think her vocals are beautiful is Anyone Had a Heart. At the end, her vocals are just absolutely stunning. Like the rest of it is nice, but I just feel like it was very much a carbon copy of that song. It wasn't like it was Delta trying to recreate those songs and give them a different feel. They were just trying to replicate the songs like for Lexi. I felt like it didn't bring anything new to those songs. That's interesting. I think maybe because I was so unfamiliar with the songs, the ballads like, you know, I Honestly Love You and even Hopelessly Devoted to You, which I kind of knew but didn't know really well, did feel to me like Delta songs almost when I listened to it. I could kind of buy into them a lot. But I'm going to go and re-listen to Magic, I think, Cal, because I can vaguely remember not enjoying that as much. So now that you've said that you can see it as a Delta song, I'm going to go and listen to it again. I also adored last year in the Bunker Down when Delta mashed up Olivia Newton-John's physical with Dua Lipa's physical, and that was a moment. So more of that would be great. Yes, yes, yes. Your body's up, baby, your body's up. All night, all right with you. I know you got my back and you know I got you. My favourite song on this album, though, is definitely Hopelessly Devoted to You. I mean, I think Delta had way in her early career on some radio interview, which I've been trying to find, had sung a little bit of this. And I absolutely loved it. And I love the song as well. And I think her version on this album is really stunning. Her vocals are amazing. It's slightly different from the original at the start because it has this gentle sort of acoustic guitar intro. But yeah, I love that song. I'm hopelessly devoted. 
the thing that I'm confused about this album is Trust Yourself. This song, it feels like they started it and then they just ended it like they ran out of time. They didn't have time to finish recording the rest of the song because it just ends after the first chorus. Like, where's the rest of it? Yeah, I wonder. I did like Trust Yourself, though. It kind of felt like, again, not being familiar with Olivia's music, it felt like a continuation of control in terms of vibe for me. So I remember enjoying that. It's kind of an end of soundtrack song. Trust yourself. And I felt like there was a couple of songs in the miniseries that weren't on the album, which I would have liked to have seen. Well, to be fair, only one of them, because one of them was Warm and Tender, which was a song that Olivia had written specifically for her daughter. So I don't think it would have made sense for Delta to record that one. But the other one that was seen just a little bit of was No Matter What You Do, which I didn't know as a song, but I really enjoyed it when she sang it in the series. So I wonder why that wasn't on the album. No matter what you do, I'll send you I just wanted to go back to Hopelessly Devoted to You, Jason. I completely agree that I actually prefer Delta's version of that because I absolutely just thought she belted it and went for it. And I feel like maybe in the Liver version, it didn't have that same kind of oomph, which maybe Delta brought to it. But I guess maybe then gave it something slightly different. But yeah, I think it's the iconic one, which I think was the one that she then did lots of performances on. I think it was also really great that, you know, we forget this was also broadcast in the US and she got to do an interview with her best friend, Renee. I was disappointed that this didn't get a UK showing the miniseries. I thought, given the fact that Olivia's career started really in the UK, it would have been something that got picked up. So I was a little bit disappointed. I thought this would have been a really good opportunity for the UK Europe market to get to sort of showcase Delta again. Yeah, Did definitely we- been great though to have it aired over here. I also just love their friendship that, you know, throughout Delta's career, she's spoken about how Olivia Newton-John has been, you know, an incredible mentor and an incredible friend. And that this was kind of like a full circle moment where she got to honour her in such a special way. And, you know, I'm glad that then Olivia obviously popped up on the Christmas album as well. And so hopefully that friendship will continue to, you know, inform their music forever, really. I really like the fact that the girl who plays Olivia in the beginning is also the same girl that was in Delta's music video for Innocent Eyes. So I love the fact that there was this kind of repeating itself of working with someone again. And obviously Delta's mentioned about her first time she ever met Olivia as a child and before she was ever successful and, and actually was in New York. And it's always lovely to hear that story and to think then she went on to have a career where she played that same person is quite, you know, I can't imagine she would have ever thought that would happen. I love you I honestly love you At the beginning of 2020 then, last year, in response to the horrendous bushfires in Australia, Delta released Let It Rain. Now, Delta, as we all know, first performed the song on Instagram before releasing it properly with all proceeds going to the relief effort. And the song was written with the amazing Marla and Matt, who we now know are really important collaborators on the upcoming sixth album. I just remember being kind of blown away by Let It Rain and kind of the sentiment of that song. How did you feel when you first heard it last year? The Instagram one is the one that I just go back to so often. We were not there, but I could just imagine if you are in Australia at that moment in time, there's so much going on around you and you watch that video. I could just imagine for those two, three minutes, it felt like maybe the world just stopped and all that was going on around you just kind of wasn't happening. And I love the fact that it kind of created a bit of a ripple effect. And it was like, oh, my God, we need to release this. And can it be released as a charity single? And that just spiraled so quickly. I absolutely loved that performance on Instagram. Yeah, I think I've listened to like the studio recording loads recently and I haven't gone back to the original performer, so I might need to check that one out again. But yeah, it's a really sort of passionate vocal on there. I feel like the chords are quite repetitive throughout the song, but I think it really focuses then on Delta's vocal, I think, which sounds, you know, sort of amazing throughout the song. And the choir, actually, which comes in towards the second part of the song is really powerful as well. Does anyone feel, though, that it's probably the shortest song she's ever done? And I feel like maybe it could have been a bit longer. Like, because the vocals are so amazing at the end, I kind of don't want it to end. It always feels a little too short for me. Mm, yeah, I think there's something about the brevity of it that I like. I think it just captures the kind of horror of that time with such powerful emotion. And she kind of says what she needs to say through that song. And then it concludes, it's not overdone. And I like that about it. And I like that it feels 
like the journey that song went from being written to release feels really genuine it doesn't feel like you know it was a song put out of the archives that she repurposed for that you know it felt like these are my emotions i need to get the piano i'm going to share this with the world okay the world's listening let me put it out there and so she didn't add more to it perhaps because she wanted to keep it in that original form so i quite like the length i think I think one of the things that I was really excited when that song came, forgetting obviously the reason it was there, I felt like it was a great kind of, I'm back. And what's so unfortunate was that the plans that she would have had in place for the music didn't come to realisation because of the COVID pandemic. But I felt like that was a great moment to start what would have been the launch of DG6. Do you think, now that we know that obviously, you know, Matt and Marla are so important to DG6, do you think Let It Rain might still find a place on that track listing? Or do you think it will remain as a kind of one-off single for the Bushfire Relief? I think it'll stay where it was. The impression I, from what we hear with DG6 is that the album was ready, more or less, and this was just kind of a song they did while they were in the studio. I mean, it can be on there, and there wouldn't be against it, but it wouldn't add anything to that particular album, given that it's such an isolated story. But I think it fits with what we then became Keep Climbing, and you could get a sense of the style from those two songs that we were going to get more of a back-to-basics type album with the kind of vocals and instruments playing the key part. I totally agree that it fits with the style of what we've heard for DG6. I have, I'm sure everyone has the same, like a DG6 playlist on Apple Music where I'm throwing in, you know, all the remixes, every track that she's released, all the B-sides, and I've got Let It Rain as part of that. And it does work, like sonically, it fits. So it'll be interesting to see what life Let It Rain has, I guess, when the album comes out. So Let It Rain brings us to the end of this episode. And next episode, obviously, we will talk about the duets that Delta has been involved in over the years. It's time, of course, now to segue into the Goodrum and the Badrum section of the episode. And I want us to just focus on the songs that we've discussed in tonight's episode. What is your Goodrum and why? Kyle, if we start with you. For me, it has to just going back to flawed. I think it just lyrically is beautiful. And I wish it had a home, like for it to belong somewhere. And I want people to make that part of their normal discography for Deltas. And make sure it's in your playlist, because I think it's one of the great ones on this list. I think this is a really tricky one for me because there are so many that I want to pick. And I think the one I'm going to have to pick is Think About You, just because I feel like it just is neglected and it needs to have a champion and I'm championing it. Jason needs the video. (laughs) And yeah, because it's just such another side of Delta that she sort of dipped her feet into, but never fully, you know, took the plunge. And it'll be great to see that because, you know, she is really versatile as a performer. So yeah, so I have to champion things about you i actually think this is my hardest good room to pick of all the episodes so far i think because the songs are so eclectic this one's really tricky and i would have said three songs i would have said flawed but kyle you've taken that i would have said think about you but jason you've taken that so i'll go with my third option which is love thy will be done i know it's not a delta original but i love the production i love the sentiment i love her vocals and it just makes me feel really warm to listen to so i'll go with love thy will be done and it is now, therefore, time for the Badrum. I have mine already. I've got a feeling we might be aligned here, but we'll wait and see. I'll start with you this time, Jason. What's your Badrum? Well, I'm afraid it will have to be the score. So unfortunately, not a winner. It's just not a song that I would particularly feel the urge to listen to. I think it has its place with the sort of football promotion. But as a Delta song, not really. Sorry. For me, I think I'm going to pick Never Fades Away. It's a song which I've never really gone to. It was one of those that I discovered when they all got put onto Spotify. And I went through it and I was like, "Mm, okay, I'll skip this one. It's one I've just kind of moved on and passed through. So yeah, that'll be my badroom. Interesting. Now, I could say a different song to keep things different. However, I'm going to have to agree with Jason. It is the score. I'm sorry to say that it's a song, you know, I never thought there'd be a song that I didn't want on streaming or to be released. But actually, I'd be happy if the score had never been released. It's just not for me. I really don't like it. If we had a song which goes down as should have been better and I wish it had been better, I feel like Heart Hypnotic would have been on that one. Like it was a song which I feel like it could have been better, could have been more. Like I think Bryn, you said about the collaboration of those two, you would have expected something bigger. And I'd love them to collaborate again to see what they could produce because like I feel like there's something they've not yet tapped into that kind of golden nugget with that collaboration. 
Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think, I, I know we've spoken about Heart Hypnotic a lot already, but I remember an interview that Ryan Tedder gave where he said that it'd been a difficult song for them. And I wonder whether they put a lot of pressure on themselves to write that song. And maybe they only had a short amount of time together and the pressure just didn't result in their best work. So yeah, I'd love them to collaborate together again. Yeah. I wonder if that's how it works then sometimes. Maybe the management or record labels put them together and then the kind of expectation is they're going to produce something really good. And I guess that can be hard if you just, the juices aren't flowing on that day. I guess it just, well, yeah. Still, I mean, if that's what you get on a bad day, I mean, I call that a good day. I think as well, this song has quite a lot of other writers on it. So maybe I think Delta usually when she's just writing with one or two other people, that's where she has her strongest songs. So maybe there are just too many cooks for this song. That's interesting. Maybe this song originated beforehand as well. Maybe it was something that was brought into the studio. So it is time for our quiz. I think one of these questions is particularly hard, but I'm always blown away by the knowledge that I underestimate you both having. Question one, however, is to finish a lyric from Never Fades Away. I think this one's quite easy. However, if Kyle doesn't like the song, maybe not. So finish this lyric. Every day you know I'll miss you. Our love is like... A song, it never fades away. There you are, Jason. Just never fades away. I feel like I need to just give Never Phase Away some love because it's, you know, I think it's a really lovely song. I think I really love the melody throughout it and it has some really nice moments. I don't like the backing singer. <laughs> Every day you know I'll miss you Question two is particularly hard, in my opinion. So we've talked about Flawed and Never Fades Away as being part of the Japanese version of Innocent Eyes. On this edition of Innocent Eyes, which songs from Innocent Eyes and Mistaken Identity were actually included? I'll give you the number so you know how many you're looking for. There are 12 songs from across those two albums that were included. Can you name them all? Born to Try, Innocent Eyes. Not Me, Not I. Yeah, Lost Without You. Out of the Blue. Predictable. Mistaken Identity. Predictable, yes. Mistaken Identity, no. Fragile? No. Extraordinary uh, Day? Yeah. My Big Mistake? Yes, weirdly. I always remember that. Last Night on Earth? Yeah. Electric Storm? No. The Analyst? No. Will You Fall For Me? No, Will no. You? It wasn't on that one. Running Away? No. Okay, we'll be here forever. <laughs> how, how many are there left? Oh, I'm not sure. Maybe two or three. I'll give you the list. I think that's the easiest thing to do here. So it's Born to Try, Lost Without You, A Little Too Late, Last Night on Earth, Almost Here, Extraordinary Day, Innocent Eyes, Not Me Not I, Predictable, My Big Mistake, Be Strong, and Out of the Bloom. So an interesting mix of songs, in my opinion. That would have been a bit of an odd... Yeah, it's an interesting collection of songs and then packaged up with Innocent Eyes branding. It's my big mistake that is the weird one for me. All of the others I can kind of justify for some reason, whether they were a single or whether they were a particularly special moment. My big mistake, I don't get. I don't understand that one. I won't have nothing bad said about my big mistake. That's definitely a good one. Okay, we'll leave it there then. Question three, I think you'll both get this, but what item came with the single release of Love Thy Will Be Done? Keyring. Do you remember what the keyring was, Jason? D. Well done. It was a D for Delta. I presume it stood for Delta. <laughs> they did the same thing for Dancing with a Broken Heart. So I felt like these were kind of like leftovers from there. Surely not. Are you trying to tell us that that song didn't sell enough? It was a great key ring, though, I'm sure, for all who received one. A lovely D for your keychain. So I think Jason takes the title for the quiz this week. I think Jason has won those questions. And that also brings us to the end of this episode, discussing Delta's miscellaneous orphan songs that aren't duets. Now, as I've mentioned, the next episode will talk through Delta's duets from the beginning of her career to her most recent. And we look forward to you tuning in for that episode too. So from me, Bryn. And me, Kyle. And me, Jason. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.